Hey now, and welcome to the Elevate Yourself podcast. I'm Rob, and uh, as always, I am thrilled to get to be the host of this show. I, I feel super lucky that I work for this awesome company called Elevation Corporate Health, and they let me do a podcast. And in each episode of this podcast, I get to have a conversation with folks from all different walks of life about how they elevate themselves. And it is my hope that these conversations will make you think, force you to change your best, and as a result, help you get a little bit closer to becoming the best version of you. As I said, I work for Elevation Corporate Health, and we've been in business for over 26 years, creating customizable solutions for your fitness and wellness needs. That's right, folks, 26 years. Here's a fun fact. Only 25% of businesses make it 15 years or more. Well, we've been doing it for 26, so we might know what we're talking about when it comes to fitness management, online training, on-site classes, and integrated technology. We've got it all, and we help small and large businesses alike get healthy and stay engaged. I encourage you to learn more about us at elevationcorporatehealth.com and to follow us on social media at Elevation Corporate Health. On today's show, I am excited to welcome Adam Butman of Athletic Brewing. Adam is the Western Regional Sales Manager. Um, he was kind enough to sponsor one of our, our play days at our center in Playa Vista, California at the resort. Um, he's been nice enough to, to join us on the show today. Um, this is a fun conversation, folks. We get into everything from Tim Tebow to bucket list items to how he turned being a super fan of athletic brewing company into a full-time job that's led him to San Diego. We talk about his love of Chicago sports, um, how he decided to make a big career pivot in his 30s after having success for over a decade in Chicago. Um, and we talk about booze and we talk about alcohol and we have a very real conversation about that. Um, and also um, just about how you can elevate yourself through the choices that you make and that you also must have confidence in yourself and you got to do the work and you got to let it go. So with that said, here's Adam. Thank you so much for the awesome, awesome care package. Uh, that was like, uh, I just, I feel like it was the perfect uh, grad school care package. Um, <laughs> it looks a little bit different than what 18-year-old uh, Rob uh, would have had in a care package. And it's awesome. Yeah, yep. uh, I love so it, man. Well, I'm glad you enjoy it. And, and I, um, yeah, on those late nights where you're studying and doing things, you know, a couple athletics can't hurt. You know, you're not going to wake up uh, groggy the next day. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, uh, I I just want to first uh, say I got into this a little bit in the intro, but just I um, I'm, I'm such a huge fan of your your brand, and I I, I first learned about it uh, doing some Spartan races and. Uh, seeing you all at different events, and I, I just it, it it was so cool because um, really what athletic brewing it's it fits me and it fits a lot of people and a lot of people that I know um, just in terms of of our need and um, yeah so uh, anyways let's get into it um, 
I would uh, I like I, I like to ask folks, um, Adam, welcome to the show. Start at birth and go. Tell us your story. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, Rob, thanks so much for having me. First and foremost, I've really enjoyed uh, collaborating with you guys over the last several weeks and what you're doing there at Elevation Corporate Health is um, just nothing short of remarkable. So looking forward to working with you all uh, in the future as well. But um, yeah, so thanks for having me on. I mean, my journey started, you know, in the Midwest. That's where my roots are. I uh, grew up in Illinois, you know, just outside of Chicago. Uh, so, you know, I'm a sports fan, as most Chicagoans are. I, my, my lineage always kind of goes back to the, the Sox, the, uh, the Bears, the Bulls, the Hawks, you know, that, that whole thing. But, um, you know, really enjoyed growing up in the Midwest. Um, and around the age of nine or 10, moved to Ohio. So uh, grew up kind of in junior high, high school, and all of that um, in Cincinnati. So, uh, you know, born and raised in the Midwest, but, you know, as somebody that always had his sights on, you know, trying new experiences and different adventures, um, actually had a friend that lived out in Phoenix at the time in high school, uh, got a chance to visit him here and there in the summers and um, just really got familiar with uh, the, the area there and fell in love with it, quite honestly. So ended up going to, to college at Arizona State. Uh, which is a big school, um, you know, uh, big sports program, beautiful weather, uh, just an amazing experience. So um, just really appreciated my time there. Uh, and that's actually where I met my wife, Alex. Um, she was actually from out west herself. I uh, grew up in Montana, Colorado, that area. So real outdoorsy. And, um, you know, I was the one that convinced her to move back to Chicago once we graduated. Um, and, uh, and really kind of start our life, start our, you know, adult careers, if you will. And, um, yeah, spent all throughout our twenties in Chicago, just really enjoying living downtown, uh, and living that life. That's a world-class city and just has so much to offer. So, um, yeah, spent 13 years in, in Chicago and, uh, you know, really in kind of in multiple areas in a sales career. Um, but it was recently, you know, earlier this year that I, made a huge pivot, you know, kind of a 180 degree uh, switch to a different industry, <laughs> now being a part of athletic and, and bringing actually my wife and I to California, uh, Southern California, where we've always dreamed of, of living and thriving. So it's just been an amazing journey, just kind of the different areas that I've been able to uh, live across the country, but honestly kind of feeling at, at home in this uh, amazing lifestyle that, that uh, Southern California has to offer. Um, I've, I've got to ask you, okay, so Cincinnati, so where, where'd you go to high school in Cincinnati? Yeah, yeah, good question. Went to uh, Lakota West, actually. It's in oh, Westchester. Yeah. I know Lakota West. Well, so I'm from uh, my family. I went to high school in northern Kentucky, uh, Beachwood High School. So um, we always, I would always see Lakota West in the, uh, in the newspaper, in the Cincinnati Enquirer. I don't think we ever played them in football, but I know of Lakota West for sure. Yeah, well, Northern Kentucky, I mean, it's always funny. Uh, the Cincinnati airport is not in Cincinnati. It's That's in right. Northern Kentucky was always a place that, in, in, when I was in high school, downtown Cincinnati had a lot of work to do. So we'd always drive across right. the bridge and enjoy Covington and the the, uh, the riverfront there, but Cincinnati's come a long way. I got a chance to uh, visit, you know, about a year ago, some of my friends that still live out there in the downtown area is really, 
really improved and there's a lot more going on. So really um, enjoy going back there. There is. And you talk about that. Uh, the beer scene in Cincinnati is huge. So we got to get Athletic Brewing. I don't know if you're in the Cincinnati area yet. I know we're working on We do. But yeah, that's yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's they, such, they've, yeah. They've definitely that Christian Moreland Brewery down there. They, they've got a lot yeah. going on. And um, yeah, we definitely have some big plans for uh, several key states in the Midwest. So we're, we're coming for Ohio soon. Yes. Yes. Um, talk just a little bit about Chicago because it's a city that I love and I know a lot of our listeners uh, are familiar with. I had a chance to do a race there uh, last year just outside of the city and just, just had a great time in Chicago. I'd just be curious to know, like, what was that like in your career in, the, in your early 20s with, with, with Alex and kind of building your life? What was that like? Oh, yeah. Uh, Chicago, I, I mean, Chicago will always be home and you know, we, uh, Alex and I met young and, and I was, I was one that, you know, even while we were living in, in Tempe and in Arizona, I was always saying, Hey, I gotta, I gotta move to Chicago. I gotta live downtown. That's where I want to start my career. And I just always had kind of my sights on, on Chicago. Um, I was familiar with it at a young age, but you know, uh, as I got older, I, I wanted to really experience it, um, kind of in my adulthood, but yeah, I, I had to uh, kind of do some uh, convincing to a, a, a you know a lady that was from out west, you know Montana of all places, to move to the big city. But um, you know I was lucky that she uh, she came with me. And yeah, I mean we we actually moved in together young and started our life young. I mean we were really only 22 years old. Um, but what a city to do that. I mean, you know there's so much to offer, especially in the warmer weather months. You know you do have the brutal uh, long winters, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but you know, you get through them and, and you really just enjoy uh, the, the beautiful fall that it has, the summer, it's just a tremendous city. I mean, with the lakefront there, a lot of people that don't know Chicago, uh, they come there in the summer and they, the lakefront is almost like, you know, uh, like an ocean. I mean, it just feels like you're on spring break there with people playing volleyball and, and jet skiing. And I mean, it's an incredible city um you know the they call it the playpen where there's all these boats and you know you've got the skyline in the background so it's just there's so much to do there um it's a pretty active city it's a very um lively city with the food scene um so just got to experience all the different neighborhoods too um that's one of the unique things about chicago just the amount of neighborhoods and, and how different um and diverse that they are uh, so we lived in a few different neighborhoods in our time there so I can't say enough, you know, wonderful things about Chicago. And as a sports fan, um, you know, just having the stadiums in close proximity downtown, just being able to go to ball games, um, going to tailgates, um, you know, it's just just incredible. So yeah, love Chicago, love going back there. And, and from a, a career standpoint, um, you know, in terms of the the corporate presence there, there's so much diversity there as well. Um, in, a, in a number of different industries. So for anyone really kind of trying to launch into a career, whatever you may be, you know, uh, excelling at, it's just an amazing uh, city with a ton of opportunity and quite frankly, pretty darn centrally located. So my wife and I, she was in um, a resort and hotel sales uh, and I was in, you know, software and, and event marketing uh, in my time there, but we traveled quite a bit. And, you know, being in the central part of the country and being able to get to New York in two and a half hours and then get to, you know, the West Coast in three and a half, four hours, getting down to Dallas in two and a half. It was just very, um, you know, uh, easy to get around. Um, and, you know, I just appreciated that for the, uh, you know, over a decade that we were there. 
that's such a good point about from a career standpoint. It's something I hadn't thought about. You've got two airports um, and that you are centrally located and you can pop in and out and you're now you're on central time. So going west isn't as big of a deal or going east. Um, yeah, that's a great point. And I, I also love the word you said active because I think that's the best way to describe Chicago. Um, I, I felt that in the, the week that I was there, I stayed in Wrigleyville and just like walk into a baseball game, running through the parks, like it just, it, there's just an energy there. That's, it's a different energy than New York. New York's got a bustle, right? And Chicago's yeah. got this like, this like active, at least in the summertime, um, for sure. Oh, hundred percent. You said Wrigleyville. So my wife and I, our, our last place that we had there was um, two blocks from Wrigley Field. We had this, you know, private roof deck terrace. It was amazing. You got to hear the concerts in the summer. You got to hear the ball games. But you know what? I was a White Sox fan, so I didn't. I didn't. I, I don't think I appreciated it as much as some of the hardcore Cub fans. I was that guy living on the north side. But to your point, I mean, you know, it, it's just it's an unbelievable city. And anytime you know, I would pick up a friend or a visitor, anybody coming in, you know, whether they got into O'Hare or Midway, you know, I'd cut right into the city and I'd actually go out of our way to get on Lakeshore Drive and just drive it up a couple miles because Lakeshore Drive and just kind of, you know, uh, lining that skyline uh, and seeing all the parks and, and the, uh, the lakefront and everything is just, is just something remarkable. So yeah, always, always a place in my heart, definitely we'll call it home, but you know, this opportunity here with Athletic Brewing and, and really kind of um, pivoting, if you will, uh, industries and, and kind of making a, a big change in my career and uh, moving out to California, uh, quite honestly, all amid a pandemic too, um, has, been, has been nothing short of a, uh, a pretty wild roller coaster journey, but one that I am extremely blessed, fortunate, and just really um, excited to be on. So talk to us about the decision to make a big pivot. Um, obviously, I, I, we, 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 you're, a, you're an active person. Um, it, the company's uh, views, everything aligned. But just the decision to make a career pivot at this point in your life, was there, were there anything uh, external factors going on? Did you just say sure. it's time for a change? Talk us through that process. Yeah, you know, about, um, gosh, almost four years ago at this point, about three and a half years ago, uh, I was living in Chicago with my wife, we were living downtown, and all the things I just talked about, uh, about Chicago, um, you know, were prevalent in our lives, in, in the social scene, we had a lot of friends and family in the area, we were very active, uh, you know, we were um, really engaged in our careers and just enjoying you know, the, the whining and dining and parts of the, that industry or, or our industries that that, that, um, that, that came with it. Um, but quite honestly, I just kind of hit this point as I got into my early 30s and where, where alcohol just started to kind of be at odds or it was colliding with a lot of those things that I just talked about. So, you know, all throughout my 20s, it was, it was fun. You know, the, the drinking quote unquote scene or going out for beers, going out for uh, going out to a wine bar, whatever it was, it was, it was fun, you know. And and uh, but but as I got older, it started to kind of collide with um, all those other things that I was really trying to accomplish. Um, whether that was training for a race on the weekend, or whether that was prepping for a big presentation, or getting ready to fly out at a five a.m. flight the next day, um, you know, those those are the things that you know alcohol wasn't really working in my life. 
Um, I like to say that, you know, 80% of the time, like drinking alcohol for me was, was fine, right? It was maybe a couple right. of drinks and it was, it was something that was um, enjoyable, if you will. But 20% of the time, um, it wasn't, you know, and it was, it was what, you know, whether it was, you know, a, a light headache the next day, I said something that I didn't want to say, uh, or it just compromised some aspect of my life, that 20% of the time just wasn't worth it anymore. And that's where I kind of came to that, you know, light bulb of just saying, I, I got to make a change here. And especially as I got older, um, that became more and more apparent. So that was a very difficult thing for me to, to think about and to fathom, you know, is, is drinking alcohol is such a ingrained piece of our culture. And especially when you live in a city like Chicago, you know, that's kind of what you do. You know, you work hard during the week and you blow off a little bit of steam, you go out boating, you know, I get on the lakefront and you crack some beers. So that was just kind of ingrained in my adult life, to be honest. Um, so I, I had to really kind of think about it in a way that, you know, I'd never thought about it before. And it was a little daunting. So how I approached it was essentially just saying, hey, I'm not going to think too long term about this. I know that a lifestyle change uh, would be good for me, would be healthy for myself, my relationship with my wife, uh, and just kind of the longevity of, of my, my, uh, my health and overall well-being. So, you know, why don't I just kind of see how it goes? <laughs> take, take the month off. And it was October 2016. And I remember just saying, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let it go. Uh, I let it go and you know every day that went by it, it started to become easier and don't get me wrong that first you know several months that first six months that first year was hard and there was a lot of firsts um, there was a lot of going to a first party or a tailgate without alcohol those things were challenging but i tell you i you know just kind of took it day by day and just said hey i'm gonna keep striving for a better life and with you know a little bit more um, clear eyes and kind of a full heart. And, and with that, you know, every day that went by, I started not missing it. Um, however, the one thing I did miss was beer, just good tasting beer. I, I started not missing really the alcohol and the effects of alcohol. I just really missed having a good cold beverage, <laughs> a good cold beer. So, you know, around that time, I was very fortunate, though, because as soon as, you know, the year of 2017 came around, um, you know, it seemed like there was this movement, um, you know, within the non-alcoholic segment. And, and there, quite frankly, there was, where more and more people like me, you know, maybe that had some parallels to, to what I was experiencing, you know, started to be a little bit more mindful of what they were putting in their bodies. There was more trends towards plant-based diets and people going vegan uh, so some similarities there with what you were seeing within traditional alcohol. So there were a lot more options becoming available versus just your traditional O'Doul's. You know, this has been a category that has been you know, kind of forgotten about. There's been a lack of innovation, if you will, or new options for a couple decades. So uh, in 2017, I just remember going to my wife and just saying, hey, I, I don't really miss you know, alcohol, but I just miss good beer. And... Um, you know, it was amazing because slowly, month over month, you know, I'd go to Binnie's. It was a local, you know, liquor and beverage depot in Chicago. And I just started seeing more and more options pop up. And to start, a lot of them were from, you know, Europe, uh, which, you know, they seem to have a little bit of a, a you know, a, a, a runway that was ahead of the U.S. 
So I started with those, you know, brands like Klostaller. Uh, they had a, uh, a dry hopped um, option that, you know, that was the first one that I was like, wow, hops, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's a little bit different than your traditional like O'Doul's or yeah. uh, Coors NA or something like that. Right. So I was like, all right, there's, there's something for me. Yeah. Um, and, and that's around the time that I got exposed to athletic. So just kind of doing some Google researching, I found uh, athletic, you know, started in 2017. And I just, I felt such a alignment and a draw to, to them in, in a lot of different ways. Not only that I saw that they were doing craft non-alcoholic beer, you know, IPA, golden ale, uh, double hop IPA, uh, some different limited options. I'm like, this is amazing. This is what I was missing. But even, you know, more than that, just the ethos and the mission and everything that they represented, you know, I felt such an alignment with my own life, you know, and what I appreciated about being active uh, and about just my, you know, passion for athletics and sports and, and all of that and just overall mindfulness, you know, it was kind of just this like blending of all these worlds of my journey that seemed to like come together uh, through, through athletics. So yeah, certainly there's been other options that have surfaced over the last couple of years, but I honestly just kind of always put athletic um, on this pedestal because I think that they were creating something truly unique. You know, they had hands down the best quality non-alcoholic beer uh, that I've ever tasted still to this day. And, um, you know, I just, I became, you know, a brand, a brand champion and a, a super fan, if you will. Um, and, you know, and that really led me to reaching out to them directly and, and, and connecting with Bill Schufelt, who's the, um, you know, the founder, uh, as well as John Walker, our, our co-founder. Um, so, you know, that, that relationship kind of started just authentically and just organically out of my own just personal passion and interest in the brand. Um, but, you know, seeing how that would actually merge into like a profession, um, you know, back when I first started those conversations was a little bit far reaching. And, and I didn't know if I saw that at the time, uh, which I'd be happy to go into that. But you know, that, that kind of sums up a little bit of that, that journey, just making that lifestyle switch, um, but ultimately finding comfort and enjoyment in, in great tasting, non-alcoholic beer, uh, which has really helped, you know, that journey. Um, I, I do want to hear about that uh, turning super fan into profession, because I think that's interesting. Um, but I, I just wanted to hit back on what you were talking about. And it's certainly something I've experienced. I have other friends that have experienced too. And what you just talked about with alcohol and um, the 80-20 deal. And that also that there, it, it can be challenging initially um, because there is this stigma of certain events. Like somebody says, we're, gonna, we're having people over for a happy hour or whatever it may be. And I know for myself, when I got to a place where alcohol was interfering with the results I wanted from an athletic performance standpoint in fitness and in life and my career, um, I found myself a lot of times drinking club soda and a lime. Um, And I guess the bigger point that I'm trying to say, and I say this to clients all the time, is being healthy should never be embarrassing. And the idea that you are choosing not to drink should not ever be embarrassing. And it's so wonderful that athletic brewing exists because it allows us to still 
participate in social activities and enjoy a delicious beverage that is letting us make a healthy choice um, and kind of eases us into those social situations. So um, yeah, that's my, that's my I mean, big pitch on why I love the brand. No, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and quite honestly, I think it's just a, it's a cultural thing that's, that's been ingrained in, in our society for a long time. Like why does, why does the word drinking have to be associated with alcohol? You know, right. <laughs> like, right. you know, it's drinking or not drinking. Well, can I just drink a beverage that is, you know, a LaCroix or a Diet right. Coke or, or a non-alcoholic beer or a beer? Um, you know, so it's those things that I think that just our society and culture have just kind of been, uh, you know, it's been ingrained in us for a while. I mean, put it in perspective, um, just how Europe has, has handled this and kind of you look at, you know, the, how, how the globe has taken to, uh, to this, you know, issue essentially is, I mean, the country of Spain, the non-alcoholic beer category represents about seven to eight percent of the market share versus the US, we're less than 1%. We're about 0.03% of the overall beer market share is non-alcoholic beer. So what that says is, granted, you're talking a much different scale, but what that says is that a country like Spain, just over decades and decades, they haven't created this like stigma associated with you know, non-alcoholic beverages. They've really embraced that in their community. Uh, I was in Spain a couple of years ago and, you know, you walk into a bar and it's on the chalkboard, it's on the menu. It's, you know, they have, you know, their regular beer options and right, you know, within that they have non-alcoholic beer. Uh, there's no difference. It's not like you have to go to the, to the bartender and, you know, ask for, it, and then they have to act, do a double take if they have it or not. And then go to the back cooler and it's probably <laughs> right. on a dusty shelf or something <laughs> like that. So it, it's such a great example of a country that over time, it has not really, you know, tried to make it so black and white, you know, but they've, they've made it um, inclusive, not exclusive. And, um, you know, you see people at soccer matches there, you know, oftentimes they're flipping from an alcoholic beer to a non-alcoholic beer, um, just because they're there for, you know, four or five hours and, um, you know, whatnot. So I, I just think, you know, culturally, the United States has a long way to go. But I think that it's companies like Athletic Brewing, um, honestly, that are, are helping blaze a trail in that space. And that's what part of our mission is, is really to kind of take down that stigma that exists, take down that raised eyebrow that exists when you order a non-alcoholic beer at the bar. You know, Athletic Brewing is is here to, to be, you know, again, inclusive, not exclusive. And, you know, no matter your walk of life, no matter if you're just taking the night off or you're being, you know, you're a sober individual for the rest of your life, you know, ordering an athletic at a bar should be, you know, mainstream. And, and that's how we, we think about it. Um, but to your point of like the 80, 20 rule, you know, our relationship with alcohol or anyone's relationship with alcohol, we all, we all have, one, right. Whether you, you know, have never touched it and you don't have a relationship at all, uh, or you're, you know, a pretty heavy drinker, the spectrum is wide. And I think, you know, so often not, it's painted in this picture of very black and white. You know, you're an alcoholic or you're not alcoholic or you drink or you don't drink. And it's a this or that type of thing. And, you know, from my experience and talking to so many people out there in the world, um, it, it's, it's far, it's the farthest from black and white um, that it can ever be. And, you know, that's why I like to kind of throw out that example of that 80-20 rule is because I was an individual that, you know, yeah, so many occasions that it was, it was fine in my life and, you know, it was enjoyable in my life. But 
a percentage of it wasn't, you know? And, and so whatever that relationship looks like for anyone out there, like that's an individual thing to recognize, to evaluate and ask yourself some hard questions. And, and to me, that was a looming cloud that had just existed, you know, for a while that I wrestled with because I was tricked. I was tricked to thinking that, you know, 80% of the time it was fine. You know, why, why make a switch, you know, but I, I had to really wrestle with that 20% for me specifically. Um, and once I did that, once I asked a lot of those hard questions and once I really leaned on my support system, you know, my wife and my family, um, I recognized personally that that lifestyle switch, you know, made a lot of sense for me. And, um, and now where we are today with, with so many others, I think thinking about that and being more mindful of what they're putting in their bodies, um, you're, you're seeing a pretty big movement. So if anyone out there is listening that is maybe wrestling with that or thinking about that, you're, you're definitely not alone. And, you know, this category, non-alcoholic beer is seeing double digit growth. Um, and it's one of only three categories in the overall, like, you know, beer, spirits, wine uh, segment that is actually growing. So th there's other folks out there like you looking for, you know, options, uh, not necessarily ones that have alcohol in it. The 80-20 thing is such a, and it's, it's so interesting because I think it's easy, well, one, to sit there and ask yourself hard questions. Um, I've got a list that I started two years ago that are like these 10 hard questions that I asked myself at the start of the year. Um, and you have to, you really do have to like sit with it and you have to sit with hard questions. Um, and it's not easy and it gets uncomfortable. Um, but I think that it's so easy to, we're all different, but it's so easy to justify things to ourselves and so easy to justify the 20%. But I, I, I think about like truly elite individuals um, don't put up with anything uh, that's at 20%, right? Like if you yep. want to be great yep. at something, you get, you, you've got, if you want to be in that top five, 1%, whatever it is in your business, your field, your industry, whatever it is, um, you have to be able to make hard decisions and hard choices. And um, you, you do. And I, and I think that, you know, that goes for not just, you know, maybe your, your, uh, decisions of what you're putting in your body, but just, you know, your overall, like your goals and your mentality and what you want out of life and kind of going back to the pivot from, you know, I was in, I've been in uh, kind of the corporate world for over a decade when I was running that rat race in Chicago. And, you know, I was in uh, a blend of software sales from the beginning. And then I got into live events, you know, uh, event marketing, if you will. And, you know, that just is kind of how I grew up. You know, I grew up in the Midwest and it was just like, hey, you graduate college, you get a job, you start thriving, you work on promotions and, and just keep going, you know, and that's how, you know, that that's what was ingrained in me. And I think that there's, you know, there, there's certain, there, there, everyone's got their own path, right? And that, that, you know, really helped kind of pave the way for where I'm at today. And so I, I, I don't regret any of that. And I appreciated all of those experiences. But as I got a little older and through this journey of kind of sobriety, if you will, um, I started realizing to your point of like people that are elite, people that are striving for, for something more and not just kind of being at that average, but striving for above average, you have to be willing to really go where no one else will uh, and not be afraid of change, not be afraid of getting you know, uncomfortable, if you will. And, you know, as this opportunity with the athletics started to kind of, you know, start merging more towards an actual profession, you know, I had to really think about that. 
you know, because I was leaving behind, you know, a, a career, an industry, a reputation that I worked extremely hard to, to build. And for me, it was like thinking about, you know, wanting to pursue this passion um, at the level that, that I wanted to, you know, I had to, I had to take some risks, you know, and, um, but I, I encourage that for anyone that, you know, is maybe caught in that, you know, typical mentality of what they've always been told or what they think is the right thing to do, you know, um, and, and say, don't, don't give up on your dreams and, you know, pursue those. And even if it looks, you know, foggy, uh, take the next best action. That's all you can do. And I promise you that, you know, if you're patient and you continue to just have like the next conversation and put yourself out there and be proactive and just network and talk about it, you'll find your way there. Um, but I think the ultimate like purpose is really the alignment of your personal passions, you know, your personal mission, what you're all about, um, you know, what the world needs, you know, vocation essentially, and then what you're really good at in a professional sense. And in the middle point of all of that, you know, passion, mission, you know, profession and vocation is I think where you find your flow. And that's very difficult for people to find. But in order to do that, you have to be patient. You have to, you know, be willing to get uncomfortable and you got to be willing to put yourself out there and be proactive. And, you know, ultimately that's how I feel. I, I was able to kind of find that merge between what I'm so personally passionate about my own journey um, with, you know, really making a career and a professional opportunity out of, out of it. And, and, you know, now talking to you here in San Diego and Southern California, working for Athletic Brewing, it's just, I still pinch myself every day, honestly, uh, that that has all come together. So extremely, you know, blessed and just uh, very excited for, you know, this new chapter. Man, I just, I just love that, what you just said about the foggy, to patience, to being proactive and that you'll find your way. And that when we are, I swear, I, I, I believe that and I've experienced it myself and I've seen other people do that. When, when you're coming from the right place with the right intentions, um, you will find your way. And it, it may be foggy, but I just, I, I just really believe that. And uh, well, I, I love that. So, okay, now, now I want to hear, um, just talk to us a little bit about becoming the super fan to where we are now, where you're pinching yourself. So what, how did it start with Bill and John and how, do, how, do, how did those conversations as a super fan then lead to Adam, the Western regional sales <laughs> manager for this company yeah. that aligns with all that? Yeah. I mean, going back to that patience thing, I mean, it started with just, um, you know, reaching out to, to Bill and just wanting to learn and wanting to connect and wanting to network. And, um, you know, this was going back now, gosh, a couple of years, two years or so to where, um, yeah, I was, I was doing some business in New York at the time where, um, you know, closer to where, uh, athletics, you know, home-based brewery in Stratford, Connecticut is. And, and when I was out there, I was like, man, I'd love to see the brewery. I'd love to meet Bill. And so I just reached out and, you know, Bill's a busy guy and just had to, you know, kind of stay out in front of him and just say, I'd love to just meet you for an athletic and just kind of talk about my journey here about yours, learn a little bit more about, you know, the, the brand and where you see the future going. And so it started there, you know, we met at uh, an awesome craft uh, beer bar called Top Hops on the Lower West Side and, uh, or Lower East Side, sorry. Uh, in New York. And I mean, I just sat with Bill and just kind of just talked for, for two hours and shared an Uber, um, you know, on the way back and just, it, it was incredible. So I just had this really great conversation, but I, I didn't put weight on it. You know, I didn't put like, what is this going to, 
I mean, for me, I, I just went there with an open mind and just wanting to, you know, share journeys. And, and I think that going in there with that open mind just allowed me to let it go where it was supposed to go. Um, but, you know, after that, the day after I stayed the weekend with a friend that lived out in Connecticut and I got a chance to pop into the brewery and, you know, there I just, you know, met people, you know, just kind of unofficially just, you know, introduced myself as a fan. And, you know, that's what is amazing about every employee at Athletic is just, you know, uh, warm welcome, just open to talk, kind of share, share a little bit about their story and just kind of learn about the brewery. And, um, and so it was just incredible. It was, it was awesome. I mean, it, it's the only non-alcoholic tap room <laughs> in, in the country. So just being there was, was kind of a dream for me. So that's, that's where it started. You know, I was, again, I was already, or I was still kind of, you know, running at, at a quick pace with my current career. But from there, you know, it was six, eight, nine months of just, you know, ongoing check-ins with Bill and just kind of keeping tabs on where the business was growing. Um, I mean, Athletic had probably a year and a half ago, maybe 15 employees. Uh, and now at this point, we have around 75. So, wow. you know, in 12 to 16 months, the growth has been incredible. So for a while, I was just on the sidelines, just kind of watching that growth and just trying to kind of keep a pulse on what, you know, Bill and John's vision for growth was and, and where I might maybe fit within that. But again, it was still hard for me to like understand truly what that could look like because, you know, I was in a pretty comfortable spot. Um, you know, I was in, in Chicago, I was traveling and, you know, I was managing a pretty large sales team. Um, so, you know, again, I, I felt, you know, I felt conflicted because I certainly had a big passion for this, but um, how was I going to, you know, make sense of all of that? And that's where just really that patience, that's where the ability to kind of, you know, have support from my wife to just encourage taking risks and following dreams all started to kind of snowball and come together. Um, yeah, and it was right around January earlier this year, so it hasn't been too long uh, where things kind of, you know, really ramped up. You know, Bill talked to me a little bit about the expansion westward, you know, what, what Chicago may look like, what the West Coast may look like. Um, and soon as he brought up the West Coast opportunity and region to me, you know, I just, as much as that seemed crazy, like, you know, packing up our house and, you know, and, and moving across the country and asking my wife to, to, to deal with that with her um, career, that seemed a little far-fetched, but honestly, California has always been a place that, you know, my wife and I have loved visiting and just kind of always dreamed about living. So all these things just started kind of coming into place in, in, in that January, February timeframe that just seemed to just, you know, make sense. And I remember hanging up the, fill, uh, the, hanging up the phone um, after Bill kind of talked to me a little bit about the, the West Coast Brewery and, and the acquisition of the Ballast Point Brewery and just the, the um, strategy for the, the overall Western footprint. And I hung up and went into my wife's, uh, you know, uh, home office and just said, I don't know if we need to think about this. Like this just, this is amazing. I think we need to, <laughs> we need to do this. Um, so yeah, it seemed a little crazy at the time, but it, it was just an incredible opportunity and one that we were just super thrilled about. So yeah, ended up making that switch. And um, sure enough, uh, you know, my first, first day was March 5th and the week later COVID, uh, you know, really, really hit the United States hard. So it's been, um, you know, an incredible journey. And, but it's also, you know, had its, you know, areas where we've pivoted and, and gone virtual in, in many respects, but it hasn't slowed us down. Uh, and honestly, I think we're very, 
uh, fortunate in the position that we're in to have, you know, dealt with this pandemic how we have. So yeah, that's kind of how, you know, it all, all, um, you know, shook out. And, you know, right now, July 22nd, um, you know, we've been able to hire seven people throughout the Western region, uh, all throughout this COVID pandemic, you know, just doing Zoom interviews and getting creative. So um, it's been, it's been pretty amazing. Um, I, I want to hear, hear about, um, talk a little bit about COVID, but First, I just want to hit on something that I, that you talked about, and I, it's an underlying thing that I've had other guests say, and something that I just reinforces things that I believe is that um, it's this idea of I had a guest on John Merrifield, who's in in California, and he he's, uh, uh, he said if you have a spark for something, you owe it to yourself to see if it's a flame, right? And it's like that idea of taking the risk. And you obviously, you've said it, you had a big spark for this um, and belief in this. And that usually when in there is a spark like that, if you know yourself, you owe it to yourself to see if it's a flame and amazing things can happen. Um, yeah. And so it's just kind of trust in yourself. And then the other one is that I've had other people talk about before too, is like, we just, that they just say, when there's a position that I really want or a job that I want or something that I want to do, you just stay around the ball. And just, I'm here to help. Here I am. Hey, how are you? Good to see you. Let me know. I'm around. And then you just do that and you're patient. These things come back to you. Um, and after you let it go. So. Um, yeah, you're so right. And, and I think that one thing my wife helped me with quite a bit along the way, and, you know, I owe her uh, everything because she's just been my guiding, you know, rock through this, this all. But um, I, I think, being rested kind of in your mind and in your heart as you're navigating journeys, as you're navigating dreams and all of those things is super important because I think you have to remain centered and you have to kind of surrender to, you know, uh, you know, what, what fate is for you. I think I'm a very you know spiritual person. I do believe in just being rooted in faith and, and not living in the fear, or you know, having anxious thoughts of, of, you know, what's ahead is just, you know, and that's a hard thing to do, but just kind of remaining centered, kind of surrendering and just being rested in your mind and heart will, I think, allow you to, you know, approach things with a sense of patience and with that open minded of, of not putting too much weight on where it should land or what your plans are, um, letting it play out how it's meant to be played out. But I think where people go wrong in some of that is then they, they, they think too much into that and they go, well, then you know, I'm just going to, I mean, I'm going to sit around, I'm going to wait, wait for it to happen. I'm not going to actually, yeah, like I don't have to do any work. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, I think that's, that's a hard like delineation to make, but I think um, you know, it's worth like talking about because I think there is a big difference in being like rested in your mind and heart and, you know, surrendering and being centered to, you know, every situation at hand, but also working with the tools and talents you have and being proactive and going out there and getting it. And, you know, and that's the work ethic, that's the drive and that's, you know, networking and that's kind of really trying to, um, you know, uh, put yourself out there to, to realize some of those situations. So I do think you have to approach both in parallel and, and in tandem, um, but understanding the differences between those two is super important, um, I think, for, for it to really kind of come together for you. Talk to us a little bit about um, COVID, and uh, I you, you hit on this, and I, I do um, 
obviously your industry, I think, like you said, you're, you, you're positioned in a, a place to um, come out of everything that's going on stronger. So tell us about some things you've seen in terms of trends. And then also, I think it's a great opportunity to tell people about uh, your website and where they can for orders. Like for me, I'm somewhere where I can't find it at my local store yet, but how could I get athletic brewing to me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're, you know, uniquely positioned um, during this very challenging environment. And, you know, we're very sensitive to the overall, uh, you know, beer industry um, and how it's been impacted by, by COVID, and, you know, more specifically, you know, what's called kind of the on-premise, you know, your bars, your restaurants, yeah. uh, just with closures and just not being able to open up indoors, you know, that's, that's been a real big challenge on a lot of you know breweries and suppliers and, and restaurants, uh, and that's you know continuing to be the case. Um, for us, you know, we we've had a very robust e-commerce platform. With us being non-alcoholic and not alcoholic beer, we've had the ability to ship direct to consumers since the start of our business. Um, so that's been a very powerful tour tool that you know not many traditional beer brands have as an outlet um, some have been allowed to do that now with you know the covid impact but you know for two and a half years essentially we've been able to get our beer direct to the doorsteps of our consumers those that, that, that want athletic um, throughout you know throughout the country so uh, that's been an incredible tool and you know we've just had uh, double digit sometimes triple digit growth month over month with our e-commerce um, platform the more and more our, our brand takes shape and uh, and is and is recognized and realized by our consumer base throughout the throughout the country, um, so so that's that's really been you know, just an amazing platform um, from from the get go, and I would say you know the other side of that and kind of what you see in you know since March is the trends of you know people going to what's called the off premise you know their local grocery and and just really kind of stocking up and taking you know, products um, back to their homes and not necessarily going to bars and restaurants as much. Um, our, you know, uh, since we've started, you know, our distribution business has been uh, more heavily weighted in, in those, you know, kind of off-premise outlets, you know, whether that's a independent, you know, liquor bottle shop or, uh, you know, a, a national uh, convenience store or a national uh, grocery chain. So with those trends, you know, being, um, you know, growing at, at, you know, fast pace all throughout COVID, you know, you combine that with our e-commerce um, ability to get product to consumers and, you know, it's been, it's been in high growth mode. So, you know, underneath all of that, we've been continuing to be strategic about our growth, um, you know, for the rest of this year and building that foundation for the future. So um, to your point of just about the ability to get product uh, within the States, you know, we've opened up uh, we, you know, we had, you know, uh, states, about uh, 10 states up and down the Northeast um, that were in, you know, full state distribution. And as of June 1st, we opened uh, Texas, California, uh, Oregon, and Washington. And we got a couple more states, you know, throughout the West coming online here shortly and a few more in the Midwest. So we will be, uh, you know, actively in distribution, you know, having our beer on the shelves for, you know, people to to uh, get it, you know, accessible to them quickly. Um, but being able to kind of take that time, you know, during COVID to really build that foundation, get distribution agreements, you know, across the finish line, you know, invest and hire, you know, new sales talent and all of that. Uh, it's been an incredible opportunity that we've been afforded 
to be able to do that while, you know, some of the traditional, you know, things travel and all the other things that pull you away in a non-COVID environment take you away from that. So um, that's how we've kind of approached these last several months and it, it's positioning us up really well for the future. No kidding. That's awesome. Um, tell us about, I, I love this because mentors have been a big part in my life. Tell us about some uh, mentors in, in your life and who have kind of shaped you. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first one I, I go to is, is, uh, is my old man. I shouldn't call him an old man, but my pops. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just been an incredible, you know, uh, honestly, more just a, a friend, the, the older I've gotten, you know, I've had, um, I've shared so many, you know, common interests with him. And we, you know, whether it's going to a, a Bears game or a White Sox game or traveling uh, to Scotland and in London together on a, on a father-son trip, you know, we've just, you know, really had a tight relationship. And uh, especially as I've gotten older, I think we've just been, you know, bonded even further. Um, in many respects, but I just really lean on him for guidance. I mean, he's, he's really, um, you know, experienced in, in business and business leadership and, and sales leadership. And so from a career standpoint, I always kind of run a lot of things by him. Um, and then just kind of from a life coaching standpoint, I, he's one that I've always looked at that has really balanced, you know, family, faith, family, and, you know, in, in business and career and all of that. Um, you know, he's prioritized that very, very well, and that's a hard thing to do. So um, I, I don't know how sometimes he fits it all in, but he does, uh, and he does it with a smile on his face, and he doesn't bring negative energy home. And, you know, a lot of those things that I've learned from him, I, I can certainly improve on, but um, I definitely look to him or think about him when, um, you know, when I may be going through some of those things. That's awesome. That's that's really cool hearing you talk about your your father and and the balance. Um, I heard uh, Steve Weatherford's uh, uh, former NFL player, and uh, I heard an interview with him once, and he said there's there's four pillars, and you want to try to get an A in all of them: faith, family, fitness, and finances. And it's really hard um, because one of them you can be awesome in one of them, and then the other one can kind of drop. But if you can just try to be if you're constantly trying to be awesome in all of them, um, that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate goal. Um, so yeah. That that that's yeah. that that's cool. I love the Scotland thing. What a what a great trip. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. it, it was. It was definitely. I mean, I I encourage anybody out there that's maybe putting off something like that, like a bucket list trip with you know whether it's a family member or a friend or something. You just I know it's hard to think about travel right now in this environment, but got to do those things. Life is short. And I, you know, when I think about my dad, like, you know, those are things like that trip, you know, that just like pops into my brain right off the bat. So I'm just very thankful we, we did it. You're so right about those trips. I, my grandparents, two years ago, we went to uh, Memphis of all places and drove them there because my grandmother loves Elvis Presley. And I love Elvis because of my grandmother. And so we, we took this trip to Memphis and uh, I look at them now and they couldn't make that trip. And I'm so glad that we did that bucket list trip um, because you just, you know, time is um, always fleeting. Um, yeah. The, the last thing I'll say about just kind of those, those categories that you talked about that, that, uh, that player, you know, really called attention to kind of juggling all those things. I, I do think that this COVID environment is really, 
uh, help people kind of be awakened to those things and maybe thinking about their priorities. Um, you know, we've been stripped of a lot of our typical fast pace, you know, go get it now mentality. And I think that, you know, people are now spending a little bit more time with their kids at home or working from home or, you know, not a, not, uh, you know, traveling for every single meeting that they say yes to and flying across the country forward. And I, so I think, I think, you know, thinking optimistically or positively about this COVID environment, it's, it's allowing people to maybe reset some of those priorities uh, and maybe come out of this thing that much stronger. So um, that's just another thing I, I really have been thinking about over these last several months. That's a great point. It's an opportunity, right? You look, you got to look at it like it's an opportunity and that hopefully we will uh, come out of it maybe a little bit slower with things and reset. I love that. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to rapid fire some questions at you here because we're getting a little long in the tooth. Um, the, uh, the, the first one I want to ask you about is I believe you're a fan of Tim Tebow. Tell us about your, your love of Tim Tebow. Cause I love Tim Tebow too. Yeah, man. I, man, I can go on about Tim Tebow. I think he's just yeah. one of those guys that just got cut such, such media flack, you know, and, uh, and everything. But, you know, when you really just follow him along or, or look at his leadership or inspirational story, I think, you know, he's nothing but positive and nothing but just a really, you know, amazing for for good and you know his uh, philanthropic efforts and uh, I just I just really love what he represents and what he's all about um, very humble attitude and you know when he did when they when they lost that game to Alabama and he um, he gets on the the, uh, the podium at the press conference and he just said you know you're never going to see somebody work harder or practice harder or push his teammates harder for the rest of the season you know he just had this like such conviction in his voice and um, very authentic with that. And to see that after that, you know, press conference, they go out, they win out and win a national title. Like it just shows that like attitude and work ethic are, are everything and um, just incredible guy. And I think now, even with him being out of the professional scene, you know, I just follow some of his, um, you know, mission stuff on, uh, on LinkedIn and on his website and you know, his, uh, his media outlets and motivational speaking and just think he's an incredible guy. So, um, so a lot of people can learn from him or someone like, um, him. yeah, I'm, I may link to it in the show notes because that press conference that you're talking about is, is awesome. And, um, I, I think that he gets a bad rap. He got a bad rap because he was so vulnerable and so honest, right? Like that's hard for people to see sometimes. Yeah. I think that's hard when people see somebody that is, that passionate and that vulnerable because it forces them to take a look at themselves. Right. Like, I, and, um, I, uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more, um, attitude yeah. and work ethic, everything and anything that he did not have, um, innately in him in terms of very talented, but anything that he didn't have, he made up for with in work ethic and attitude. Um, yeah. Um, one thing you do every single day that you feel elevates you. Man, I try every day, but I try to, to run every day. Uh, there's days where I don't fit it in and I need to get better about that. But almost daily making that a routine is kind of my outlet. Um, yeah. It's where I can, you know, just kind of release and just you know, think and, and really just reflect. Um, in addition to that, you know, praying, uh, honestly, I, I, uh, I'm just rooted in my faith and, you know, talking to, to God and just, you know, uh, bringing my, my uh, appreciations, uh, my gratitude, uh, but also my challenges to him is, is, is you know, uh, daily for me a necessity. And, 
you know, I like to um, right now, you know, as we're, we're waiting on a, a house to, uh, to, to move into, I've uh, been a little bit all over the place with rentals and whatnot. But, you know, when we are settled, my wife and I, uh, we always pick a tree on our, on our lot, you know, and we had a tree in, in Chicago uh, in our backyard and it was, it was our like reflection and prayer tree. And so after a run or every morning, I just go out there and touch it and just kind of look up to the sky and just take that few minutes. Um, it just got me out of that normal day to day and uh, something that I think was, uh, you know, is really important in my life. I love that idea of a tree that becomes an anchor for you. Uh, that is so cool because it is easy when things happen and things get a little crazy to, to lose, uh, to lose your anchor, but having that, that thing that can kind of help root you. Um, that's cool. That's really, I love that idea. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Best purchase. I love asking this best purchase you've made in the last three months. I know nobody's spending a whole lot of money right now, but the best purchase you've made in the last, well, you bought a house, so maybe you have been uh, best purchase you've made in the last three months for less than $25. Man, less than $25. Uh, probably a French press because <laughs> everywhere we've kind of had to bop around has been uh, coffee has been a necessity in the morning. But if I can, if I can state a purchase that's a little bit above twenty-five dollars, um, sure. was was a, a wetsuit. I got a wetsuit to uh, to attempt surfing out here, going along with that active lifestyle. Um, now that I'm on the West Coast, uh, you know, I've been I've been using that as much as possible, and I think that that's one that I'll get some really good wear and tear out of for sure. That's a great purchase, and. Um... I, I lived in California for over 10 years and I, I never surfed and it's um, that you talk about bucket list things, something I just, I just never did. So good for you on making the, the wetsuit purchase. I think sometimes that's a good reminder too, because it's like make the purchase and then you're, you're pot committed. Like you, you've got to use this thing now. Like you've got to do it. 100%. You're going to learn. Gonna learn. <laughs> I, I have to, once my wife saw me like have a wetsuit show up in the mail, she's like, well, you better get out there. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I, I will. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of quotes. Do you have a, do you have a favorite quote or something that kind of grounds you, um, sometimes when you feel like, you yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many good ones out there from people that I find inspiring, you know, but the one that I say to myself every day and, you know, I, I don't know, I can't put a person's name on it or I don't know if it's something I just came up with. I, I said it earlier in the, in the podcast, but, uh, go where no one else will. And that, that's what I, I have written in, in my office on a chalkboard. Uh, and I look at that daily just because I think that, you know, that's what I'm all about is just, you know, uh, taking leaps of faith, taking risks, not following the herd. You know, I often say sometimes just the general society can, can act like sheep and, you know, be one that's willing to, to kind of go outside the trend, go where no one else will, because it will lead you to, to, to greener pastures. So that's, uh, that's, that's mine. That's a great reminder. Um, and then last one for you here. Um, if it's a run or you're in a gym or maybe you're getting trying to get yourself amped up to go to go surf on a, on a brisk uh, morning in the Pacific. Um, what do you have a favorite workout song? Of course. And it's got to be Metallica, man. I've been a Metallica <laughs> fan since I've been eight years old, I think. And wherever yeah. I may roam, that's my jam. Um, so yeah, if I need a little extra motivation or to kind of blow off some steam from a busy day or week, I throw on a little Metallica and it uh, livens me up. But yeah, I mean, those guys are getting old, but they, they still get after it. I saw them in Madison um, 
uh, a year and a half ago or maybe two years ago, but it was incredible. So they still got it. Yeah, they still got it. I may add that to my playlist. Um, cool. Well, Adam, thank you so much for, for joining us today. This has been awesome. And, uh, uh, in some ways, I feel like we just we just started hitting on some really great things. What, what an awesome story. And I just appreciate you sharing your story and sharing the story of your company. And as I've said before, I, I, I just love Athletic Brewing. I love what you stand for. It comes through in the mission, not only in who you're there for, for all people, wherever you are, meeting people where they are, um, but also in the quality of it. Um, and then that, I think that just that comes through you and your story and coming with good intentions. Um, where can folks follow are you are you anywhere where somebody could follow you and then also where should folks look for athletic brewing things on social media and stuff yeah yeah definitely recommend checking out athletic brewing on on instagram um you know also athleticbrewing.com that's where you'll be able to order beer direct to your doorstep we got merchandise on there we def definitely have links to different articles and blogs and, and, and event resources and things like that. So definitely check out athleticbrewing.com and, and our Instagram channel. Uh, you can actually look me up directly at NAB enthusiast, NAB enthusiast. Um, that's the, uh, the Instagram for me. I, I post uh, different things about my own journey and just about athletic uh, and a little bit of the lifestyle here on the West coast. So I definitely encourage you to give that a follow, but um, yeah, Rob, thank you so much for the time. It's, it's really been incredible talking with you this morning and really looking forward to collaborating more with, uh, with Elevation and um, yeah, seeing, uh, seeing where the journey takes uh, you all as well. Thank you so much, Adam. Go where no one else will go. I'll leave everybody with that. Thank you so much. I love it. Take care, Rob. Have a good day.